0: Welcome back, dear LHLM listener, Gee, about six months ago we made a promise that we would not talk about Michigan football in our banter section for a good while. And now it is time to come back to the maze and the blue, who are overwhelming, undermatched opponents with beautiful deafness. It'll be interesting to see what happens as the season goes on. Go blue. Go Blue. And you are a Detroit Lions fan. Is that a fair assessment?
1: Yes. I've jumped back on the bandwagon with the Lions okay. because apparently they're good. But I did have the opportunity to head down to watch the Lions play the Chiefs. And uh, Lions won. And it was a lot of fun. And the uh, Kansas City was a very welcoming. It was funny. You know, Lions fans, we've had it rough. And they are coming off winning the Super Bowl. And so even they were like, you know what? Good job, you were due, and I was like, "Wow, how nice is it? We go." That's how bad Lions football has been. You go to the visiting stadium, and they're like, "You know what? You deserved it." But football's back. I don't think that is happening to the Jets. (laughs) No, no. Incidentally, speaking of the Jets,
0: found out that my old neighbor is the head coach of the Jets. How random! That's very random. He was out here coaching, like assistant coaching for the Seahawks, and uh, he was our neighbor, and now he's with the Jets. Anyway. We've got more to talk about than football, but football is going to be part of the banter section until Michigan wins the national championship. When they do. What else we got today? All right. So um, lots of acquisitions. I'm getting those annoying spam emails from private equity wanting to purchase my law firm maybe once or twice a day. Uh, They're pretty persistent and good at spamming, but there are acquisitions in the agency world that is worthy of bringing up. We also have a great segment on the good, the bad, and the ugly of lawyer billboards. And finally, we're gonna have a long conversation, an overdue conversation about branded advertising in general. And with
1: that, Lockwood, hit it. Welcome to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing,
0: teaching you how to promote, market, and make fad stacks for your legal practice, here on Legal Talk Network. Welcome to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. It is entering fall season. It's getting a little chilly in the air. Brought to you by those amazing people from Seattle. Starbucks, grab your pumpkin spiced latte because it is time to do the news. All right, Guy, in our world, iLawyer Marketing was sold and Best
1: Lawyers also bought an agency. What's going on here? Uh, apparently it's time for... Consolidation and buying agencies. You know, Best Lawyers, so people are familiar with Best Lawyers. We've talked about them before, peer-reviewed award organization. They also have a website that sells advertising. You know, we've had these conversations with some of these bigger players, the internet brands companies too. My hunch is, is like, hey, Best Lawyers wants to get into the uh agency game, right? Why not? We're selling directory spots, we're selling premium listings, let's sell some agency services. At least with the best lawyers acquisition. Eyeliner marketing, a little bit different story there. There seems like more of a uh, consolidation into one of these roll-ups where private equity holding companies buying a bunch of different logos. I think they've got Apex and a couple other legal tech specific products. Cause, you know, hey, you know, you deliver services and then you get them hooked up on your chat product, you get them hooked up on your CRM, your website technology, yada, yada, yada. And you can sell multiple products to a single lawyer. You know, and why does this matter to lawyers? You know, and we'll talk about this with some of the other news, but like the relationships between some of these companies, like they matter. They do. Yeah. You know, especially when you're starting talking about agencies, right? Because guess what? They're no longer as your agency trying to give you the best tech for you. They're giving you the best tech that their private equity company makes the most money off of. And they're making decisions in a totally different way. And anyway, it's something to think about. And, and lawyers should get that, right? I mean, they understand, I think, especially folks that are listening to this show, you know, they've been around the block on what happens after an acquisition. You know, It's not always the same people in the seats making the same decisions, not the same people providing services. Anyway, that's just something to keep in No, I mean, on. you kind of approach
0: that from a cynical perspective, right? Um, oh, it's shocking. Having, ha, but <laughs> but having said that, let me counterpoint that. And I don't disagree, yeah. but you and I have talked about the importance of the kind of the stability of the software platforms that you purchase because if your software can't keep up, you, you're going to end up in a problem, right? So having financial strength behind there, very real thing. And the other thing is those kind of vertical roll-ups across the the legal world, they can work on those integrations and they can make efficiencies happening. And you're not bespoke building and connecting different systems together at the same time. And one of the things that I think lawyers want is like a knowledge that this is going to work and I'm not the first time we're trying to stitch A to B, right? And I think there's value in that. Funny you should
1: mention that because our next news item is great <laughs> evidence to the exact counterpoint. Oh, wow. We set that up beautifully. Okay. Boy, oh boy, gee, what happened to Filevine? Filevine, we'll say they're going through some growing pains. The short version is, is that a lot of lawyers that we've talked to, a lot of the chat on social has been, oh my gosh, Filevine is a dumpster fire. Now, in fairness to Filevine, they are having growing rapidly and massively. And I, I'm sure that there are people that have not experienced any of these issues, but it seems like there's some technology problem with some of their earlier adopters. I, I don't know all the details on this. So if Filevine, you can correct us if we've got some of this wrong. But it seems like maybe one of their earlier machines or one of their early technology builds has problems. And so um anyway, it's not been a good look for Filevine. I've seen a lot of people making the decision to switch. But to your point, Filevine is very well funded. Correct. Filevine is not going anywhere. FileVine is one of the market leaders and, you know, in fact, when it's working, we've worked with a lot of firms that are using FileVine very effectively and successfully, but, you know, it's kind of that false sense of like, well, they've, they're funded, they've got money, so they should be, everything should work and that's not always yeah. how it goes. So anyway, good luck, FileVine and, you know, folks that are, uh, I know there are a lot of happy customers of FileVine, so this wasn't really a FileVine bash session Just more of something to be uh, heads up on if you're in the process of making a decision about that. Go do that research. There is value
0: in being on the cutting, but not bleeding edge of technology. Some people are learning (laughs) (laughs) the hard way. That's a good way to say it. Filevine, if you're listening, if you guys want to come on next week and give us a heads up of what happened and how you've fixed the problem, maybe we'd have you. All right. Last piece of data, news coming out. Really interesting about Gen Z women. Actually, not surprising, but it is worth highlighting. 51% of Gen Z women preferring TikTok over Google for search.
1: Surprised, gee. Well, I mean, I don't know. Nothing really surprises me <laughs> the way people change their uh, habits and behaviors. But, you know, look, Google knows this, right? We talked about this on the show before. Maybe we can put a link to the show notes. But Google recognizes that people... They're getting a different experience from social platforms, more specifically TikTok, because you're getting much more rich video curated expertise driven results than 10 blue links, right? And so it's not a surprise that that's resonating with people. And I, you know, this is a trend that I think we're going to continue to see. This is why you have in my opinion this is why you see Google trying to add perspectives the perspectives filter to their results. Rich media, it's a totally different experience. And so, you know, if you're searching for whatever it is you're searching, you know, think about if you're you want some shoes, would you rather have, you know, a Nike product page that shows some pictures of the shoes or do you want somebody who's like Walking around in the shoes, testing the shoes, trying shoes, you know, other shoes on, talking about what it feels like to wear the shoes. And then you add on it's somebody that you know. And then you're like, oh, wow, right? That's a much different experience. And, you know, so why is that relevant to lawyers? Well, it's the same thing. You know, well, hiring lawyers is totally different than buying shoes. Well, sure, in some ways it is. But in some ways, it's even more important in the context of hiring a lawyer that you've got who you are, what you're all about, what your personality is going to be like, because it's a much more human hiring decision than buying a pair of shoes. And bluntly, a lot of people spend a lot
0: more time thinking about the shoes they're going to buy than the lawyer they're going to hire for right or wrong, right? When we come back, we're going to continue on the Nike brand conversation and talk about the self-defacing of the Morgan & Morgan billboards. Why or why not? Is this a good idea?
1: Smart firms use CallRail to track where every lead comes from. PPC, LSA, organic search, or even offline ads, CallRail tells you which channels drive your best leads. CallRail even
0: integrates with your favorite CRM or practice management tools to help manage your leads and see the ROI on your marketing investments know exactly which marketing tools work. Plans start at 45 bucks a month. We recommend CallRail to every single one of our clients. Go to callrail.com lunchhour lunch hour now and try it for free.
1: Learn by doing with Practicing Law Institute's award-winning on-demand interactive programs. Developed by experts in learning design, And we're back. Conrad, this is a story that I thought we just had to talk about. We've known about, you know, John Morgan, we've talked about his firm, Bigger is Better, in the past, and some of the uh, PR things that he's done. Well, recently, if folks are not familiar with the story, they apparently are perhaps self-defacing their own billboards. And so, you know, they've got their traditional Morgan and Morgan billboard. And then it looks like someone like spray painted it to say they're all about the money or, you know, a variety of other things that you'd be like are casting aspersions about the firm. We'll make sure to include some pictures. If you're on YouTube, I'm really showing some of these examples, but if you're just listening to the podcast, go ahead over to YouTube and you can see some examples and we'll try to put some in the show notes. And so this came up on LinkedIn. Daryl Champion wrote about it. so lawyer in Atlanta, and people were hot about this, right? And the, I think I'm going to boil down and I'm kind of, I want to get your opinion, but I think there were kind of three major critiques. Critique number one is this is bad for the profession. It makes lawyers look bad to be doing this kind of stuff. It's tacky, no class. My view in this particular context, more specifically, is that does it bias jurors, right? So, like, you know, lawyers' number one obligation is to their clients. Do you go walk into court and they see you're a Morgan and Morgan attorney and they're like, you're doing these tasteless ads? Does that impact bias? I think that's a, a question. You know, number two, I guess you could say, does it, cast aspersions against the plaintiff's bar in general, right? These are like car accident, ambulance chasing lawyers. And so any juror that walks in comes in with a little more bias because of these billboards. And you know That's a thing that might be impacting. You you got voir dire that's tried to weed some of that out. Not a perfect tool, but I think that's a, a valid critique. But a lot of it was just like, I think this is tacky. This is tacky. It makes the firm look bad, And I wouldn't hire a lawyer that does this to their branding and PR campaign, or I wouldn't refer to a lawyer that does this. Conrad, what do you think? Well, I mean, the interesting piece
0: about this is we have talked previously about the effectiveness of advertising that I would consider utterly tasteless. The Texas lawhawk is one of my favorite examples of someone I would never hire. And that doesn't matter because he really leans deep into the I am not a serious professional. But he does this very, very effectively to generate brand awareness. And for his market, which is not me, it's probably not Guy, it might not be anyone listening to this podcast, but there is a market for whom Tacky works. This has always been the case. And Darl writes, and, and it's interesting, when the first Vandalized Morgan and Morgan Billboard appeared, I received a few texts from people about it because they thought somebody actually vandalized it. Think about that sentence. People are so fascinated by this happening that they're texting other lawyers about this, Right. From a pure attention-grabbing perspective, it's hard to beat that. And brand awareness. I talk about brand affinity. I love the concept of brand affinity. But brand awareness is so difficult to generate. And in the billboard game, it is so crowded. I mean, I don't need to tell the audience this. How do you get your billboards to stand out? And the objective of these billboards, this is not a direct response Avenue. This is a brand awareness Avenue. How do you get your billboards to stand out amongst hundreds, thousands of other billboards? Pull something like this. This is, I think this is genius. I think this is absolutely genius. And I think, you know, we rarely talk about lawyers being at the cutting edge of, of advertising and marketing, but boy, oh boy, can I see other brands following suit on stuff like this? I, I think it's genius. Is it tasteless and tacky? Yeah. Is it effective? Yeah, (laughs) right? Those two things are not mutually exclusive. And and by the way, I, I think you have to acknowledge that this is going to turn some people off, right? I think we did a segment, or at least I've written about this, Morgan & Morgans, they had this tagline and there was a big shakeup in their staff over this. They had the size matters tagline, right? I think that's more tasteless and more tacky than defacing your own billboards. And I certainly think that will have turned off some people. Having said that, from a positioning and a brand awareness perspective, pulling something like the basest penis size marketing, tasteless, tacky, and it's going to turn off some users, right? Some potential customers. But it works for them because it is memorable and it stands out.
1: Yeah, I, you know it's funny because, as you mentioned, you talk about it in the context of brand defining. We talk about this all the time, right? So it's awesome to be known for something that like has overlap with your audience and what you're passionate about, right? So if you're, you know, if you're passionate about Chicago food, you're gonna get people that are passionate about Chicago food attracted to your sure. audience. You know, if you're a, you know, you want to make it a little bit more a substantive, you know, you're a advocate for safety and an advocate for people that are injured, regardless of whether they needed to hire a lawyer, if they're in a car accident, you're just a safety advocate and a, you know, maybe a, a disability advocate for people that are dealing with those issues. And so, you know, there's an overlap there and that's what you're passionate about. It's funny when it's like something like this, where it's like, you know, look, is there really an infinity audience for people that like, you know, call it cheeky, (laughs) cheeky advertising stuff. But to me, the other thing that this, so, and this, we kind of talked about this in the LinkedIn comments, but like putting aside the impact on the profession and impact on juror bias, let's just talk about performance of the firm. I don't think anybody can argue that it doesn't get awareness, right? They've got, here we are talking about it. Darl's getting text. You can go search for this online and you'll see that they got news coverage. It actually got links and yada, yada, yada. So the PR and the SEO and all that kind of jazz. But does it actually, what's the impact on actually consumers who are considering hiring this firm? And, you know, like you said, there are some people that are going to say, you know, look, I wouldn't hire a lawyer that does that. Guess what? A lot of those people probably weren't going to hire that lawyer anyway for some of the other marketing uh, activities that the firm did. And by the way, we're also taking this in a vacuum. Morgan & Morgan does a lot of philanthropic work and a lot of other PR stuff that is more feel-good, community-based uh, advertising. And so they're, it's not, you can't just take this ad in a vacuum, right? Because people that in Florida that are seeing this, they're also seeing a lot of the other stuff that the firm does. So some people are going to be like, you know, look, I just wouldn't hire a firm that does this. Okay, that's true. Some lawyers, you know, a lot of lawyers, in fact, as evidenced by the comments on LinkedIn, wouldn't refer to a firm that does this. I would never refer to a firm that does Great. this. Well, right. let me ask you a question. Were you referring to them before? <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, the, how many the, are like, this is saw a this zero, like, right? I used to, have, I used to yeah. refer to them, but now seeing this ad campaign, I'm not. And some of those that even don't like it, they're probably still going to refer to Morgan. Morgan. So, well, and by that. the way,
0: it's not just Morgan and Morgan pulling this stuff like this. happens yeah, right. regularly. We've covered this before. Do you yeah. remember Corey Fettman? Uh divorce yep. lawyer who did the Life is Short, get a divorce, and it was, I believe it was her in lingerie on the billboard, right? Yeah. Again. No, you see this stuff all the time. Varner Fader, right? Yeah, give Varner that Fader just one. put something out. They are, I believe, out of Denver. Their personal injury um billboards say fuck around and find out, right? Well, it doesn't say fuck around. It's F around and find out. But like They're pushing the boundaries. It's it's This is awareness. And and getting awareness with a banal billboard just doesn't work.
1: Yeah. So let's keep going down the list here. So then you've got just consumers who are like, I used to think I would hire Morgan & Morgan. But now that they've done this ad campaign, I'm not going to hire them anymore. There are probably some people that think that. I think that's a very small group, too. Yeah. And then there's two other groups left. There's the group that's like, I see this. I don't really care. It's not really affecting me. I already knew about Morgan & Morgan, but I'm thinking about them again. And then there's the group that never, you know, maybe this group's very small too because, you know, Morgan & Morgan is so prolific in their branding that they've never heard of Morgan & Morgan. These are West Coasters. And this is the issue. This is the thing that people forget too. And I think we'll talk about more about this in our next segment. A lot of the people that consciously are like, this is gross. I would never hire a lawyer that does this will still unconsciously call and hire Morgan & Morgan because most of these decisions in this context are made unconsciously. Harvard did a study on this. You got the Burger King Whopper study. People are buying unconsciously. And so even if, and that's why these survey data is so messed up because they'll tell you, I would never hire a lawyer like this. And yet here you are hiring the lawyer. Let's take a break. All right,
0: Guy, building on the billboard conversation, I want to talk about brand versus performance advertising. Can you just quickly give an overview of what we mean by brand advertising versus performance advertising, and then we'll get into the meat of this.
1: I love this conversation. So I am guilty of being a performance bias marketer you know i fell in love with search a long time ago search has intent search is performance right it's i need a you know, searching for a car accident lawyer best car accident lawyer it's google ads direct response ads it's very quantifiable it's very efficient that's what we mean when we think of most people think of performance direct to consumer performance marketing and advertising brand is that fuzzy stuff right what is brand right and i in the context of legal marketing i written about this and talking about this before but to me it's just reputation right it's what you're known for you know you can talk about brand in other contexts and logos and all this kind of stuff but really what it boils down to is is like what do people think about when they think about you and most importantly to the context of this conversation do they even think about you when they have the issue or problem or need that you solve that's how i kind of think about brand and and you know they're constantly pitted against each other. Lawyers all the time are like, should I do brand? Should I do performance? And it's a false dichotomy. You know, it's the same thing we talk about with like the offline online distinction or the social versus search distinction. They both work. And I always talk about the Legal Trends Report. If you go back, I think it's 20, eh, I might get the year wrong, 2018's Legal Trend Report. But Clio did the survey and there's a lot of these surveys support this too. You know, half the people are gonna just be like, I, am going to a lawyer from a referral and referral is largely brand, right? It's your reputation. It's word of mouth. It's like, are people thinking about you and about half are going to do their own search. And that's more in the performance bucket. Conrad, what do you think about brand? So
0: when I think through the things that you can do from a brand perspective online, right? I think, I think it's important to kind of get tactical. And what are we talking about? There is the traditional display. I am going to put my Nike ads out there and ideally I'm putting them in front of people who have some level of affinity for Nike and there's all sorts of targeting that you can do with that traditional display now and from there like you can also build out things like branded videos and stuff like that have those show up on YouTube but it is it is there's some level of targeting to this and you are you're the objective here is just to get that impression in front of people over and over again. To Certainly do that. geographic targeting. Yeah, uh ideally geographic targeting, right? Oh <laughs> boy, oh boy, we could go into that segment. Next time. We'll come back to that next time. We'll come back to that next time. So yeah, so I ideally you've got some geo-targeting in there and you're putting your brand in front. Now, when you're doing that, and we can go back to the billboards on this and the success of billboards, one of the things that that we've talked about a little bit on billboards, and you and I are speaking out of church talking about billboards, but the effectiveness of billboards is often around simplicity of the message, right? So it is either a memorable phone number or a consistent website, and it uses consistent colors and logos and single image of a single person because you see that over and over and over again, and that eventually seeps into your subconscious, which is what you're referring to with Morgan Morgan. This is also another reason not to change your logo every five years. Um, so that's that's kind of your standard display. Now another component of brand that is extremely effective is retargeting and retargeting, which I'm assuming 95% of the people listening is know what it is. 95% of you are not doing it also, but that is basically putting your branded display. It is an, an element of targeting where you're putting your branded ads in front of people who have been on your site. And that is such a no brainer. To me because you already have people who have recently been been on your site and you're now just re-exposing to the brand. The key here is with those retargeting campaigns, the number of impressions served are very low because you just don't have that much website traffic. But the effectiveness of those impressions is very high because that is someone who's already been on your website, right? And so this is like a drop-dead, no-brainer, easy to do channel. The one caveat on that is you have to have enough website traffic for the retargeting engines to actually have someone to retarget. Right. So if you're yeah. running 500 sessions a month, there's probably not enough for you to actually get out there.
1: But you know what you might have? Go ahead. You him. might have a bunch of emails from former clients that you can create a custom audience around. Great. Let's get so I mean go go lawyers right into are that. always talking about it. Hey How do I stay in touch with former clients? Well, put them in a custom audience and then let them see your shining face and your prolific reputation for delivering awesome client services and results for clients all around, wherever they go. So at the risk of saying the phrase size matters
0: twice in one podcast, building out the size of your CRM database, building out that list of emails that you can actually push your brand to regularly very, very valuable marketing tactic. And the other branding thing that I really enjoy is all of the work we talk about social a lot here, and all of the content that you're pushing out on social does a great job of reaching people who know you on social. You can push that brand out to what I call the second circle, people who know people, or people who are like those people that already know you, and doing that on social. And that again, it is pushing your brand out there on the regular. What we have not said during any of this is that we are trying to find that person looking for a car accident lawyer right now or looking for a divorce lawyer right now. This is about repeated exposure to a consistent brand image which is logo, phone number, perhaps website, perhaps picture of a lawyer over and over again. Drip that into the subconscious. It's not affinity, it's not that I like you, it is I know who you are and you are memorable, right? And so these are these are kind of the, the, the key pieces of this. There's so much,
1: value in this brand and it does not always have to be ridiculously expensive. And I think the other thing that if if it's not clear, I mean it's implied by a lot of this conversation, but just to really spell it out for folks, one of the biggest mistakes that I see is people try to use a direct response performance creative in a branding campaign. I'll give you an example. The billboard that has a tracking number on it. No one's I mean, you're hoping one of two things if you're doing that. You're either hoping that someone gets in a car accident right in front of the billboard and looks up and says, oh, I need to call that number. <laughs> or that they're vigorously writing down the number to be saved in their phone for a later time when they need a car accident lawyer. And guess what? And then what? they either get into a car accident because they're doing that. And then, they're, and then the best part is, is they're like this billboard's not working because no one's calling the direct response phone number. And it's like, no person wrong. And we see the same thing in branded social ads, right? You see the direct response. And look, there are some direct response categories that I think it might make sense in. You know, I know that there's been some success with the mass torts folks on social and, and direct response paid social ads because you're like, I'm trying to capture anybody in the country who's taken this particular Drug, or if it's a pharmaceutical, you know, mass tort. But if for your single event car accident lawyer, like the free consultation, like you're sending out, you're going to run up impressions and clicks on free consultation following your car accident. I mean, you're really good luck, you know. And again, there's some, there's some you can have it both ways, right? You can do that. But if it's missing the branding stuff, if you're doing a brand campaign, doesn't have any of the branding stuff, like there's none of the stuff Conrad talked about, the consistency, maybe a tagline. Maybe a vanity number, maybe a URL, um, maybe you know a testimonial or something like that. Whatever it's going to be, that's supposed to be the memorable part. You are just leaving dollars on the table. You know, if you've got the a picture of a car with a number, and you're like, I'm just doing direct response on a, an awareness campaign on Facebook. Good luck. Yeah, I want to come back to your your tracking number point and yes.
0: the branding point on this. You know, you and I grew up in a world where you could track direct response and we still live in this world. You can track direct response really well with sophisticated tracking infrastructure. And you should. And and 100% you should. And this is one of the, the, the dumbest dichotomies that digital marketing people make. They miss the fact that direct response can and should be tracked very, very well. Branded stuff, it is a munging of all of the stuff that you were doing. And I am- How'd you hear about we, us? We have one of these conversations at least once a month where you have to recognize that you put all of that brand effort into one big pot. And ideally in a perfect world, if you do have some form of consistent phone number, go call Paul Faust, right? And get a memorable number and use that across all of those different channels, all of your marketing, all of your branded marketing channels. And you know what you're gonna do? You're gonna add all of it up and divide. And it's still not gonna be accurate. Divide by the number, add all the costs up, divide by the number of inbounds, and now you have a rough guesstimate on what your branding campaign might return, right? But there is a value in those memorable numbers that are consistent across all of your branding efforts, and that's how it works. Do not try and do the branded advertising with tracking numbers. It's just, it's just stupid.
1: Yeah, and, and you know, and there's other ways you can track brand growth, right? You can look at search console data, branded queries, and search console data, 100%. Google Ads. You can see if you're bidding on, you know, branded queries there. And the other thing, to Conrad's point, if you're kind of working through that quick math that he did. You know, for all of your digital stuff that is direct response, you can measure that. And so you can look at those and say, look, we're going to take these off the board because we know that those came from these sources and, you know, on these keywords and yada, yada, yada. And then, you know, with what's left, call it whatever you want. You can call it brand. You can call it non-attributed, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, we've talked about this before and kind of has talked about in the context of dark social. This is why also it's still so important to ask, how did you hear about us? Yes, it's not going to be as sophisticated as you know, attribution modeling that's happening with all your fancy technology, but it does give you some direction on like, you know, we hear this, I'm sure you get this too, Conrad. We'll ask, how did you hear about us? Well, we listened to lunch hour legal marketing, right? So there you go. Now we're not tracking that. There's no, we don't have a QR code or like a, you know, Hey, type in lunch hour legal marketing into our form. If you listen to lunch hour legal marketing, it just happens organically. If you would like to call Guy, Type
0: in lunchhourlegalmarketing.org. If you would like to call Conrad, dial lunchhourlegalmarketing.gov. Right? Like, don't do Stand that. Scan the QR code. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't do that shit. I want I to pick up one other really interesting point about brand and direct response overlapping. One of the things that happens, and this is these are studies outside of the legal industry, but the stronger your brand awareness is, the higher the click to rate on your pay per click ads, right? So just that awareness, just the awareness is going to actually improve the click-through rate on your pay-per-click ads. What happens when you do that is Google, which calculates a quality score, which is based on your click-through rate, is like, wow, people really like this brand and they t- or this ad, and they tend to click on it at a higher rate than other ads. Therefore, I'm going to increase your quality score, which actually has the impact of decreasing the amount you have to bid in order to be at that position. So it improves The economics of your pay per click advertising because of the change in the click through rate. Now, it's a small change, but when you're spending 10, 20, $40,000 a month on this, these small changes all add up to make the economics of your pay per click campaign more effective. So don't miss that there are overlaps and nuances with the ways your brand has an impact. And like this also happens organic, right? So, like you're getting higher click through rates, it has an impact. Conrad,
1: you're giving away all of our secrets. You're like the magician telling how to do the tricks here. Um, You're not supposed to say that part, but yeah, that can have a huge impact. Conrad's underselling how much of an impact that that can actually have on cost per clicks and yada, yada, yada. Unfortunately, with that amazing tip, we have to say farewell and adieu until next time. Thank you so much for stopping by for this Lunch Hour Legal Marketing episode. If this is your first time here, please do subscribe. Check us out on YouTube. And we'd love to hear from you. Hashtag LHLM. Give us your feedback. Ask questions. What would you like to hear about? Thanks so much. Until next time, Connor and Guy are out of
0: here. Thank you for listening to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing. If you'd like more information about what you heard today, please visit legaltalknetwork.com. Subscribe via Apple Podcasts and
1: RSS. Follow Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram.